and it's Amanda. Basically basic. We are sitting with one of my dearest friends in the whole wide world, Carly Verson. Say hi. Hey guys. <laughs> okay, so first we're going to share, before we dive into what we're talking about, we're going to share what we're drinking, we're all drinking from Starbucks. Yes. But before we share this, I just need to do a side note that you are classier than Starbucks. Like if it was up to me, I would have That's stopped so it. True. I would have stopped at like Avoca or Kraftwerk and I would have gotten you a special drink, but I was too lazy to get out of my car. I'm just going to be I am really enjoying the Starbucks. <laughs> okay, I'm glad. Because the part of me bringing it to you felt like this is not enough. <laughs> This is not worthy hey, of Carly. We had to give her the full basic experience, but you're Carly is not basic at all. Like, <laughs> oh my I just want to see the picture for our listeners because they are not here right now. But we are in her gorgeous home in this really cool neighborhood in Fort Worth. She lives in Fairmount. In 19, for those who know 19, Fort Worth, 1920, 1920s home that has been completely redone. It's just it's beautiful. beautiful. It really is. Yes. So Sweet. that was my side note. I feel like as a friend, I just need you to know you're better than Starbucks. <laughs> But as a as the basic experience, I just had to bring that to you. Which so. do you have a favorite local coffee shop in Fort Worth? Hmm, that's a good question. There's a lot popping There's up now. There's a new coffee shop, um, The Roots. Yeah, okay. Roots is on good. South Main, which is amazing. I love crude on South Main. I mean, Avoca was like the so original. Avoca is the OG. Kind of, the OG. it is the OG. It is. So I still really love Avoca. How coffee. close are you to Avoca right now? Like a mile, yeah, not even block. a Easy. couple blocks, yeah. probably. Yeah. yeah. Fun fact for our BB listeners: I used to live in Fort Worth when I first got married. I didn't know that. Yes. yes. So we lived. Um, Once more upon a time, we lived in the same city for a year. Those days. <laughs> those those days were beautiful. That's how we really reconnected. That's true. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Well, I mean, it was before we got married, but then we like actually hang out all the time and developed yes. our friendship. Yes. But I fell in love with this area, and I've always said if we ever moved back to Fort Worth, I would want to be in Fairmount District. Yeah, and we now love it's it. even cooler than it was. Then, it's so cool. It's, it's a great up. neighborhood. We love it. It's so special. But Evoca's my jam. Okay, Cami. So what are you drinking from Starbucks today? Um, I'm going to be really honest with you guys. <laughs> I'm drinking a venti ice water. It's really sad. You're pregnant. You need but to hydrate. Here's the deal. Like, I, I am that person that I will look at the Starbucks person in the eye and be like, I want a venti ice water. Because what I do not want is you to give me a tall a, ice water. Can I? Okay, can I tell you something? Carly, this is the most basic thing, and then I promise you will love us for the rest of the episode. <laughs> Every time Tyler goes to Starbucks and gets me a drink, I always say, I want a venti water with it. I just always, I will yes. like gulp a venti water. I need a venti water with it. So when he orders it, I'll say, get me a venti water. Never has he gotten me a venti water because, because he refuses. Tyler. No, listen, he won't ask. He would never ask. He thinks the venti is too much to ask for. <laughs> So he, asked, exactly. so he only asked for a grande, and I don't understand that logic. I'm like, it's just more water. Like, they, it's venti or grande. Such it's a metaphor same, for his personality. It is. It's such a like, metaphor. So Tyler. I'm like, it's the same amount of syllables. You just say venti. But he like, doesn't want to inconvenience anybody. No, no. And he thinks a venti is an inconvenience, but somehow a grande is There's not. Too much, too much free, free stuff happening. And I'm like, listen, <laughs> I spent enough money at Starbucks. Yes, I, I if, deserve this. If anyone would ever challenge me on it, I'd be like, let me give you my credit card statement and you tell me if I don't deserve a venti ice water when I walk in this door without even having to ask you. It should be sitting there. I just, I earned this right. I was at Chipotle yesterday oh and I asked gosh. for uh, ice water and they handed me one of those dinky pasta cups. I'm like, why? I'm asking for water. Like, dinky. I'm also pregnant. I need hydration. Like, give me a big cup. Thank you. <laughs> So I'm drinking oh, a venti ice water from Starbucks, and thank you for actually asking for a venti Love that. for me, I guess I'm very passionate about thank it. Thank you. I am You're too. welcome. Okay, so I'm also drinking a venti water, and then just like a tall today, because I'll probably have another coffee later. Oh. I want to hit up Summer Moon. 
it's a new place in Fort Worth. So, so I'm saving. It's right next to um, Crude and the Newton Roots. Oh, there's a, there's literally like four so side by side coffee shops now. Yeah, this is such a what hipster days we're living in. I know, I'm so four old. coffee shops can be. Side next note to again, because we do fifty side notes. If you go to Summer Moon, get something with a moon juice. Moon milk. Moon milk. That's yes, it's not moon juice. That makes sense. That's gross. <laughs> Moon juice and coffee sounds disgusting. <laughs> moon milk. Moon milk, right? That's what it's called? It's moon milk. It's amazing. I don't know what it, it is. is. It's, it's, some, it's like crackers. It's roasted. dairy? Non-dairy? What is it? Um, I, don't know. I don't know, but it's like it's like uh, fire roasted milk is how they advertise it. Hmm. I know. From the moon. So <laughs> They got it from the not moon. Not basic at all. <laughs> not basic in the least. Okay, I love how we're starting already. Carly, what are you drinking from Starbucks today? Almond milk latte. <sighs> Which yeah, was such girl. a treat for me this morning. Yes. I, I waited. It. I didn't make my own coffee. I was waiting yes. for this latte to come. Yes. Delicious. Have what? you tried the honey almond milk latte no. from Starbucks? You would like it. It's it's good. It's brand new, but they just put a little bit of honey in it with almond milk. I think they like mix the honey with the almond milk. I don't know. Yeah, I just get it with like one I know sweet Remy, side note, your sweet dog is here. If you guys can hear some whining, but we love dogs. So he's crying, buddy. I know, he's I know. literally crying for you. But he would tear this up. Do so. you need to let him out? No. You can. He okay. just wants attention. Oh. I know. Oh. <laughs> I love this because I bet you our listeners can't hear it at all. They probably like, can't. They probably can't. Um, okay, so yes, try the honey milk latte or whatever. It's really good. Just look a little less of the sweetener. I feel like you would like that. Okay, so first, I want to tell our listeners how you and I met. So I'm trying to, do you remember the very first time we met? Like first initial meeting? Because I don't. I feel like it was at Starbucks. I of feel like it was. me, you, and Ashley met at Starbucks in University Park. You're right. To talk about Tribe Alive. This is so full circle right now. Mm-hmm. I'm bringing you Starbucks <laughs> for the podcast. So here you are saying she's too non-basic for Starbucks, and yet you're contradicting yourself by the story. You're exactly. right. It was. Mm-hmm. On University. Yeah. Oh, oh that's this is making meeting. me happy. Okay, so tell our listeners why we met because you can explain this better than I can because it was when your company which now has blown up since you are like killing it but it was in the very 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 beginning days like before it was even it was really just a thought at that point right yeah we hadn't even started yet it was just sort of this idea and this dream and I connected with Ashley about starting this ethical women's fashion brand who is a mutual friend of ours yes and who helped me co-found the business in the early days and immediately when I told her about what I wanted to start and create, she told me about Amanda and said, we have to connect and that you're this brilliant photographer and could help us with creative branding. And yeah, and then the rest is history. And then I took over your life. (laughs) Okay. And now she runs the world. (laughs) Now you run the world. Yeah. First you ran my life and now you run the world. So I was just telling Cammie before we pressed record, but we, I just feel like there's such a huge, we were talking about this, there's such a huge growing like gap. Like there's something that happens in your early 20s to late 20s. And I was, we met in 2013, maybe late 2013, early 2014. Yeah. And I think that's about right. It was somewhere in that. All I know is if I look back in the archives of my emails, I have emails from you from 2014. So it had to have been somewhere, somewhere in that like range. But there's such like, just like this learning curve that happens in that time frame. And we were, I was 24, I think when we met and now I am 30. So I've grown quite a bit in between um, those years. And I just feel like the time that we got to work together 
you taught me so much. I learned so much from you. I got to travel the world with you. I know. I'm trying to think of some places we went together. We went to... So many places. I mean, I think the biggest trip that I always think about is Honduras. <laughs> I pretty much forced you to come to Honduras with me. I actually think you did. I, I did. And then she, she ended up in the going. hospital. And, and then the No, no. One walk. time I didn't go. One time I didn't go. Because you invited me one time. That was I, Guatemala. Oh, Guatemala. Yeah. I did. No, I I'm did. talking about the time where you told me you weren't going and then you told me you were going. And, and then, then I did. Because <laughs> that was our relationship. Yeah, She'd be like, no, I'm I'm scared. I don't think I want to go. And I'd be like, Amanda, you're going. I'm sorry. You're getting over this fear. Which I love And you're going. That's a good big sister. Everybody needs a friend like that, honestly. We grew so much. So yeah, we got to travel to um, San Francisco. Mm -hmm. We did Honduras. Where else did we get? Did we go to? No, I don't think we ever did New York together. There's so many. I can't even remember them all. So many different places. Did we do Nashville? I feel like we did Nashville together. We made it in Nashville. I can't. Yeah, I'm literally drawing yeah, a blank. Me too. So many but there places. were a lot of a lot of trips. Oh, so for those people listening that are on the outside like me, which I don't know much of the yes, story, so I'm like, you have been it. please ask questions. I would love for you to explain in more detail what Tribe Life is. Yeah. Because I hope that all of our listeners know what it is, but they might not. They probably do. And then I even want to go back to what you said earlier about when it was a dream, because to me, like what it is now, it's so impressive and it's beautiful and I feel like it's changing so many lives. But I'm curious, like if it's if what it is now is what you originally dreamed, if you've like watched it change a lot, like how you go from like this little baby dream to like reality. Yeah, I mean, I think I always thought it would stay like a side hustle or yeah. a, a baby dream. I never imagined that I'd grow a company to where we're at now. I mean, we're an ethical women's fashion brand, so we um, focus mainly on women's empowerment and employment. So we work with different artists and groups all over the world, different ethical manufacturers where women don't have access to education, opportunity, and aren't predominantly employed. Um, so we work in countries like Honduras, Guatemala, Haiti, India, and work with women and train them to make all of our designs um, that we sell through our website, different wholesale accounts. We work with some um, large name brands that carry our products. So it's really grown in the last, what, five, six years, yeah. but it's never anything I imagined it would be. That's I really amazing. just wanted to do something on the side that would, you know, make me feel like I was making some sort of contribution to the world. And my background was in traditional fashion and I saw how traditional fashion just really, how detrimental it is to the world, especially for women's rights. And the way that industry continues to hold women in poverty. Mm. So I wanted to right a lot of wrongs that I had done in my previous career. And it's just taken off and kind of grown to more than I can really manage so, or handle. Yeah. Um, but it still feels like we have a long way to go. Yeah. I mean, on the outside, I think for a lot of people, it looks like... Glamorous. Yeah, and, yeah. and it's but it's still, you know, I think it's really important for me, especially for like other female founders or business owners or people like wanting to create something. It's still such a mess behind the scenes and mm -hmm. we try to figure things out every day and there's a new fire to put out and I really don't know what I'm doing. I just... You fake it till you make it. Fake yes. it till you make it. I think I'll be doing that my whole career. So even though, yeah, it looks like we've, we, we have experienced a lot of growth and there's a lot of amazing things that have happened, but we're still, you know, in... Behind the scenes, we feel like a small brand, yeah. still trying to kind well, of make it every day. I love that you say that because in your mind, you wanted it as this like side hustle. And I just want to inform our listeners that since the side hustle started, you guys have now been in J. Crew. Are you still in J. Crew? Is we that are, like, yeah. okay, so 
You can find Tribe Alive and J. Crew. You guys were just on the Ellen show for yeah. her 12 days of giveaway. Oh, like, wow. that is huge. Yeah. Like, those are not minimal names. <laughs> like, we also were on the Ellen show. <laughs> no one's seen the episode, and they probably won't, but it's cool. Probably, it probably won't air for a while, but. Yeah, maybe in a couple years till it airs, but. We're the new, you know, we are. We're the adult version of, do you remember the little ballerinas <gasps> that were on the Ellen show? Sophie and. Sophie and. Sophie and. Who are their names? Yes. Oh, my know. gosh. Sophie and the cousin. Yes. And one was the hype girl, and the other one was, like, the main. <gasps> she was like, Sophie. You know Sophie. what I'm talking about? Oh, I would gladly be so. So, which honestly though she's kind of took she's, a turn she, yeah she did take a turn she, that's why she's on the don't, don't YouTube I don't know her. any You'd of really this disappointed. it was like these really cute little British girls that like wore these, always wore these crowns and they like they were obsessed Ellen like discovered them yes. they were obsessed with Nicki Minaj Nicki Minaj yes they and Ellen came brought on them rapping on the show yeah. to meet Nicki Minaj and then like did they get to meet Nicki Minaj? Oh, yes. yeah. She, like, oh, came out and they the rapped. It was so cute. They rapped. Oh, my gosh. It's going to kill me. Sophie and something. Anyways, we'll research it later. But <laughs> but we're the adult version of we them. Are. I just decided that. Okay. So. Okay. J. Crew, Ellen. Yes. And the. the who else? Yeah. Who else? Toot your own horn. Toot toot. Oh. Um, Madewell. Madewell. Yeah. I, I mean, I would say those are probably the biggest brands, but we work with a lot of, like, amazing just U.S.-based designers and stockists. And, but, yeah, those are wow. kind of our, our big brand names that we've so worked with. We worked I with want... Rachel Zoe last year, which oh, was awesome. That's, that's yeah. a big deal. Well, I love it because I feel like this, what you're speaking about, like what God put on your heart was like at this time where, it, thank God, I feel like the world is waking up to the fact that this has to change. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like this perfect storm of like you had this passion and this idea to be like, okay, I'm not just going to like read about this and be mm-hmm. bothered by it. I'm going to do something about it at a time where there is social media and people are becoming more woke I would mm-hmm. say oh, yeah. to like the, the issues in the world mm-hmm. and being like okay this is something I want and I love that you actually you're making products that are beautiful amazing products like I think sometimes unfortunately in the past it's like you would want to get something that was ethically sourced but like the you're like I don't like the design yeah. like mm-hmm. I wouldn't actually wear this mm-hmm. like you know I've gone on I traveled all over the world but like you would go to another country and you would want to get something from the local people but you're like okay this is more like a souvenir yeah it's not something i'm actually gonna like add to my daily wardrobe but you've created things that anyone would see and be like where did you get that and then it's like i got this locally but it's not local at all it's actually like contributing to women all over the world and it does it make even just hearing you talk about it i'm like i can't imagine what you're doing for these individual women, like not just the masses, but like there's individual women all over the world mm-hmm. that are getting to now be employed at like in a great situation because of what you've started. Like that's so mm-hmm. cool. Thank you. Yeah, that's our biggest, I mean, well, one, we have an amazing designer, um, Katie. She is, I think, one of like the She's most amazing. brilliant mm-hmm. designers so I've ever worked with. Yeah. And what's amazing about her is not only just her ability to design really beautiful things but to design within the skill sets of the artisans that we work with Mm -hmm. so I just think that's such a beautiful thing that you know we don't want people to have to compromise style for ethics and you don't have to I and we also see a lot of waste in the fashion industry so we don't want people to end up with things that they don't love regardless of if it was made ethically or not Mm -hmm. I don't really believe in like a charity buy or purchasing something just because it makes you feel good or it might help something it's like the things that we consume are really they have such an impact on the world that we shouldn't be buying anything unless it really means something to us and unless we really love it um aside from how it's made like our Mm -hmm. things just it's you know put such a footprint on the world that we should only be buying things that really are meaningful to us so 
That's yeah. That's <laughs> people is. need to hear that. Yeah, honestly, I need to hear but, that. Yeah. That's so good. So I think that's you know for us, it's like we really want people to invest in our pieces, but also love them and not feel like they're compromising, you know, their their own personal style. So we're really lucky to have an amazing designer, and you know, I think the the women's stories behind our brand are definitely what carry us and and keep us going in like really hard months or when you know it's really hard to produce in the places that we produce in are you know the stuff that our our makers are up against whether it's war or famine or droughts or monsoon season or political uprisings i mean haiti has been we haven't even been able to get goods out of haiti in the last three months because of the political situation there and so it's it's hard work choosing to invest in the places that we invest in but the reason we're doing what we're doing is because those places deserve being invested in and mm. deserve um, people seeing those countries and those people for what they're worth, which are just amazing artisans and makers and um, people, you know, just worthy of employment. Wow. Yeah, that's I'm so just good. like laughing, being a manager of people, I'm laughing thinking of like the amount of times someone would text me like, I'm running late because of traffic or like, I'm, I can't do this because like, I have a doctor's appointment and you're dealing with like, I'm sorry, we can't get this to you because mm-hmm. we're having a war. Or like, yeah. we're having, <laughs> yeah. like, I, I can't, mean, really, yeah. I can't get to work because like the road is closed yeah. or there's been like, you know, an earthquake. Or mm-hmm. I mean, these are like major, mm-hmm. major problems. Things. And like, you, does it make you feel way more connected to the world in general? Like, I just like your perspective yeah. as a human being Definitely. in Fort Worth is so different than like your next door neighbor just because you know. Yeah what's going on yeah and I think it's like a blessing and a curse you know having this perspective that I feel like it's an immense privilege that I've been given to be able to travel the world to know people from different places to know people from completely different situations than what I know and what I grew up in but it's also really hard to live here in this country and and to fall into it myself what we view as problems and what we view as issues mm-hmm. when I know what you know people that I not only work with and and help employ but people who are like dear dear friends to me sisters like in India the things that they're up against you know and even and I think of course there's so many issues in the U.S. that require our like undivided attention um, but I think I'm just constant when I come home it's I go through my husband calls it like my transition period where it's like a week of just not really being able to function mm-hmm. here and it happens every time where everything kind of affects me and offends me and I, but I think when I stop doing that is when I'll be the most scared like I think mm-hmm. when I stop feeling like my privilege here and the injustice of what I have and even just like my home and I love beautiful things and I love my home and I'm really lucky to live in a house like this. Um, but I also feel a lot of shame about it too. Mm-hmm. So, but I, I think that we should, I think when we're, when we're privileged and we're, you know, one white to American, it's like we have to recognize that privilege and we have to recognize that it's our job to give some of that away, to Absolutely. really give a lot of that away. Um, but it's also hard to relate to people. Um, it's hard, it's harder for me to make friends. It's harder for me to relate. I don't know how to do small talk, which Amanda <laughs> knows. Like I I'm, which I'm not I fun at a dinner party. <laughs> My husband doesn't take me to work functions because if you meet me, it's like, we're going to talk about current events. We're going to talk about <laughs> politics. We're going to talk about religion and just get right into it. And not everybody, like I just carry a weight mm-hmm. and people have told me before, like you need to lighten up or you need to like learn how to be more fun. And I, I don't know how to do that with 
the weight that I feel yeah. all day long. But I also think that that, the, that burden is a gift that I've it been is, given. It is a gift. And it's what it's so much of what I love about you. Because when you and I first met, I was like the lightest fairy coming through. Like, do-do-do-do-do, everything in the world is beautiful. <laughs> like, like, literally, because I hadn't had any exposure to, mm-hmm. to those kind of worlds or just things, you know, hadn't seen some of the things I got to see whenever I was working under you at Tribe Alive. And that is one of the things that I look back on and I'm just so, so thankful for because you did. You gave me the opportunity and opened my eyes to so much that I still, to this day, I mean, I only went to Honduras one time and I still carry that trip with me Mm -hmm. of just meeting those women and seeing the moms that they were Mm -hmm. and just the employees that they were and like just the artists that Mm -hmm. they were. I mean, the way that they crafted things in the environment that they were given was Mm -hmm. nothing. I mean, they were in this, metal shed building mm-hmm. thing and making their own like making their own coffee with mm-hmm. their instant coffee mm-hmm. and like offered me some of what so they had sweet. just just the sweetest women and I just remember thinking like oh my gosh this this is it like mm-hmm. this is what I mean hard work looks like mm-hmm. this is all about just the human experience even like I just can't even put into words the mm-hmm. things that I learned that I still take with me and I don't even think it's a weight necessarily that you carry, but I think it's just a lot of wisdom. And you have a lot of wisdom that I don't think, you know, your next door neighbors or just anyone in Fort Worth carries. And I think that's a really big gift, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like you're carrying like an anchor of like knowing that it's not about mm-hmm. you and like that you just, you can't take away from what you've seen. Like once you experience yeah. that, like I, when you were talking about some of your trips, like I went to Haiti after the earthquake, the big earthquake mm-hmm. when we were in college. And I went with my now husband, boyfriend at the time, and we didn't really know what we were getting into, but one of our friend's parents, dad was a missionary, mm-hmm. and so he invited us for our spring break, and we're like, sure, great, Haiti. Like, I want to help. I've seen them in this Haiti of, spring break! Yeah, like, no idea, you know? And it, we had just, we walked into a war zone, and mm-hmm. we went and started an orphanage, and because the women who ran the orphanage were, hadn't slept in a month, probably, mm-hmm. because they had a hundred new kids, mm-hmm. and kids that had lost their arms and their legs and I just remember like sleeping with like these little Haitian angel babies like cuddling with me and like actually that was a trip where I knew I was going to marry my husband because Mm -hmm. I saw I got to serve with him and it took away all the just junk of like the of America you know Mm -hmm. just the the things that kind of crowd our minds I Mm -hmm. guess and make us like you just realize like what actually matters and you're seeing these these kids that somehow still have joy Mm -hmm. amidst like this deep pain and I love you said something earlier like in passing but it really stuck with me you said like the injustice of what we have mm-hmm. and I love that you said that because that was something I took away was I think up before that trip you can watch the news and see that what they're experiencing is injustice mm-hmm. for them like that's just unjust that they have to deal with that but we're also not entitled to what we have so it's also mm-hmm. an injustice that we have this and mm-hmm. why you know and right. I think that was the thing that when I got back from that trip I just was like, I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Like, I happened to be born in mm-hmm. this country to this family. I did nothing to deserve that. And yet so often I can feel entitled to things mm-hmm. that I have no entitlement mm-hmm. to, you know? And I think there's this, when you work in that type of industry, and I even feel that with the kids that I serve at the nonprofit I run, like, there's this fine line that I don't know if you feel sorry, but I have to walk this fine line of like, I can be very grateful and that is a great place to be but then there's days where I can be really like you were saying kind of just like bitter mm-hmm. at other people who mm-hmm. aren't grateful or be like hey guys like not really an issue mm-hmm. like what yeah. you're freaking out about don't really even like you know group texts or people being like can you pray for this and I'm like 
I remember one time I told Steven, like, I was probably PMSing too, but, like, I just had a really hard day with one of my kids who was walking through something really hard difficult stuff. with their yeah. hair, like, really tough life stuff. Like, this kid is, like, in at, an age, at an, at an age, age where they, they shouldn't have, have to. to do that. Yeah. You know, and just seeing this every day, and then to get a text from a friend about, like, hey, guys, I really nice to pray for this, and it's, like, to them, it's their world. Right. You know, the pure heart of me should be, like, absolutely, there's enough prayers mm-hmm. for everybody, but that day, I was, like, I do not have time for, to pray for that. Like, mm-hmm. I'm so sorry, but, like, no, like, I'm not wasting my prayer on that. I, I, have, bigger, like, I have bigger, I have bigger words to pray. Thank you. I was, like, okay, like, we can pray for both. Like, we can have, like, you know, and, and I think he's been so good for me, because he, since he's a physician, like, he mm-hmm. sees the worst of worst every day. And he somehow still has, like, great – he has more grace for other people than I do. I'm like, you're fine. Like, there's bigger issues, you know? But do you feel like in doing that, even just being a mom and being a wife, like, how do you how do you balance that? Yeah, I don't, I don't think I do. Um, <laughs> I have a – like, I have a husband that just lets me be me and I think holds a lot of weight for – because I come with a lot of baggage mm-hmm. and a lot of weight and – just our family we've just been through a lot as a family you know and and the it's interesting it's it's hard because it's like everybody's problems are relative when they're happening I mean there are things that happen to me that I know probably aren't real problems but they they feel yeah. like they are at the time so it's hard it's like I you, you want to feel compassion for things that other people are going through but you, you know and like you do the type of work that you do or like the countries that I end up in the things that I see you know dealing with women who have been through genocide and rape and nothing seems like relative anymore and so it's it is hard in it is hard to be a mother when my like the american kid problems don't feel like problems to me like other mothers might talk about their kids math scores i personally could care less what my kid gets in math yeah. and but that's like a mother shouldn't feel that way a mother should mm-hmm. care about their child's academic performance but for me i'm like she's kind, she's compassionate. Like I I do think she'll grow up to take care of people. So I feel like my job is done yeah, at that yeah. point. So but then there's a lot of other things that I kind of let go and don't pay attention to because to me they're irrelevant. But in the world that my daughters have to live in, it's not irrelevant. Mm-hmm. They I have to like raise them to be able to function and exist here and a lot of things in the US don't make sense to me. And, you know, there's a lot of things, like my husband's an incredibly kind, compassionate, giving person, but he gives a lot of his time at home. So it looks different than the way I give, but I couldn't give if he wasn't giving the way he does at home and just Mm -hmm. holding this whole place up. But he's also light and enjoys soccer and football (laughs) and it's hard, like, I can't just let him watch the NFL (laughs) on Sunday without wanting to talk to him about Black Lives Matter and my issues with... That, that organization and how I don't think we should support it. So it's, I mean, it's hard. I just think it would be really hard to be married to me. He, to be Kyle honest. is the perfect husband for He's you. The he only, really, only <laughs> He's husband the only one. <laughs> okay, so we started this skipping way, way, way ahead. I'm so glad we, our readers, I mean, not our readers. Wow, we didn't write a book. We, <laughs> we write this because I'm not writing it. <laughs> we talk on a podcast. Listeners got to hear like this background but I want to know because there's some things that I don't even know about even just your childhood or how you grew up I know that you grew up going to Guatemala Honduras like mm-hmm. all these places but where like tell tell us where you grew up where you're from kind of and how that kind of has impacted what you do today yeah so I'm from Massachusetts so I'm very proud to be a Northeast girl I love, I love the Northeast and honestly was raised in a pretty typical Northeast family 
Um, lots of aunts, like a lot of Italian traditions. My mom's mom raised four girls on her own. My dad's mom raised three girls and a boy on her own. So I was just surrounded by like really powerful women my whole life. Um, and we're all just really close, like lots of cousins. I mean, honestly, I kind of had what I would view as a pretty perfect childhood. Yeah, I love that. Um, amazing parents, super supportive. Just, I was always, I think I am who I am because my parents never like silenced my voice. I was, you and I were just talking about your daughter, Gwen. And yes. I'm like, she might be hard to raise, but you're going to be so thankful <laughs> that she is a strong girl. I was probably impossible to raise and like always running my mouth like standing up to authority like questioning everything and just super opinion and my parents never like silenced it and they probably should have at times but so yeah and they're still the same super supportive wonderful amazing parents and my sister is my hero so yeah I, I mean it was pretty perfect childhood I'm really really lucky um, but my aunt and uncle, one of my mom's sisters, started a nonprofit in Honduras. They started going initially with a church to do mission work, and they just fell in love with the work and ended up kind of giving up their lives to go and um, serve the poor full time. My aunt is really passionate about um, women's empowerment issues. She started a nonprofit called Mia Esperanza in Honduras that specifically focuses on training providing free training and education to at-risk women and then providing them employment opportunities or helping them go out into the marketplace to find jobs and my uncle runs an organization that focuses mainly on relief work in Honduras um predominantly house building so from I wouldn't say a young age but I mean maybe I was in middle school when I first went down it changed I mean changed my whole life. I had never experienced poverty like that. Um, I had never, I think, even realized that it existed, that Mm -hmm. that was the reality of life. What's crazy for like 90% of the world, that's how 90% of our world lives. And when you put that like statistic on it, that is we're we're like we're 1%. Like the way we live is like 1% of the world. So the way they're living is how the world lives. But what's crazy is there's enough to go around. Like there's, mm. if we gave more, if honestly, if I didn't live in a house that looked like this, if I didn't take the trips I took, or I mean, there's if we all gave more, there's just enough to go around. Nobody has to live like that. But I couldn't, I I just couldn't shake the feeling of that first trip. And then from there, I just first it grew into just this passion to like travel and see the world. And I lived in, and I really wanted to learn Spanish, so I. When I went to college, I double majored and chose one of my majors was Spanish. And I studied in Spain for a year. And then I studied in Costa Rica. And then I just kept going back to Honduras every year. And then after college, um, I was graduating when the, the Southeast Asia tsunami hit and like wiped out so much of Southeast Asia and was really affected by that. Um, and just decided that I wasn't going to like enter the workforce after college and instead moved to Thailand to work and volunteer in an orphanage and spent a little over a year in Southeast Asia and then came home and kind of just got into work and got married and life took over and um, really it was I had always wanted to adopt just my experiences in life Mm -hmm. my work in Honduras my work in the orphanage in Thailand and never really once had a desire to have a biological child um so after I got married shortly after we started an adoption process that took about three and a half years 
And once we brought our daughter home, I just, I was working in fashion at the time. Yeah, you you also lived in New York, right? Yes, and that you, was before Ellie. That, that was, was before here and before Ellie. That's so right, that's, yeah. okay. And you did, you worked for J. Crew mm-hmm. and had gotten pretty successful there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a great, I mean, it was a great career, had an amazing team and loved my job and they were willing to relocate me here when Kyle got relocated to Texas and when we moved to Texas was when we were finally um, placed, matched with Ellie. So we spent probably another year or so um, working to bring her home and her case was really complicated. So we spent a lot of time in Ethiopia and in that time it was like I... I viewed adoption so differently, being in her orphanage every day and seeing birth parents visiting their children. And it was like the realization of, which I I should have, you know, working in Thailand, it was working with orphans that had lost their parents to a natural disaster. So my experience of orphans was these children had no parents. But when I was in Ethiopia, I learned really what adoption actually looks like in the world. And it's not that people are giving up their children because they don't want them or that they're dying. That's part of it but it's a really small percentage the majority of people are giving up their children because they can't afford to take care of them and they want a better life for them it's poverty yeah and that just felt like the greatest injustice to imagine like a a a woman a woman living in poverty has the exact same right to raise her child that i have to raise a child but most women are forced to relinquish their rights because they can't feed their own children so seeing these birth parents coming to an orphanage every day to visit children that they loved and wanted but couldn't have just felt it just completely changed how I viewed adoption. And it, it made me realize that adoption's a really like unjust thing in the world. Mm-hmm. Like nobody should have to give up their child mm-hmm. because of poverty. I'm because like of any tearing reason. up hearing you talk about being just being pregnant. I'm like, I can't imagine mm-hmm. being like, Oh yeah, because that mom has the same mm-hmm. natural like hormones and just mm-hmm. that all those things that you feel for your baby mm-hmm. before they're even born and then to just And then to hand them be like, away. I can't Mm-hmm. I can't take care of this baby, not because I don't want to, but because I just can't. Yeah, and I think that's a story that like is really important for me when it comes to birth moms. Is that I think there there are people out there that think it's a really selfish act to give up your child, but I actually can't imagine something more selfless. I yeah, Kimmy and I both shaking our heads. Like I don't think I could not. ever give my child up, even if it meant she'd have a bigger life. I don't think I'm. I think I'm too selfish to make a choice like that, but. You know, coming back from that trip and just having that realization, it was really hard to just go back to work and in what what's a pretty superficial industry and mm-hmm. an industry that you know Ethiopia is a country where it's some of the low lowest labor um, rates in the world. So a lot of companies and fashion brands and manufacturers produce out of Ethiopia because there's such cheap labor. And it's an industry that's keeping people in poverty. And I just said to my husband one day that I felt like I was dishonoring my daughter's birth mother through my work. And I always like cry when I get to this no, part of the story. Really and that I just needed to, you know, do something with my life that was so Ellie would grow up knowing like women like her birth mother matter just as much as I matter. Mm. And that there is injustice in the world, but I wasn't gonna be someone to just turn away from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Carly, that's so beautiful. Like, just your heart. I just love your heart. You. It's just so, just to even be able to think about all sides of the situation and not just say, look, we got our we got our daughter. Like, this is our top daughter. Mm-hmm. Like, you have such a heart for people, and I just see that so clearly even in your daughter's birth mom. Like, just the fact that you want to share her story, too, mm-hmm. is so beautiful because 
You're right. It's one of, I think, giving, being a mom of two, I cannot imagine giving it my kids. Mm -hmm. And like you said, even if I was in the worst possible situation, I still think I would have like this bare grip on Mm -hmm. both of them. Like, yeah, right. You're Mm -hmm. not, but for the fact for a mom to realize that, no, like there's something better for her Mm -hmm. and I want, I want this kind of life for her Mm -hmm. is, I mean, they're my heroes. Mm -hmm. Birth moms are my heroes, honestly. And as you're talking, I was just thinking like, you know, you can, you can offer these things that she couldn't simply because of your circumstance, like we were saying mm-hmm. earlier. Mm-hmm. But you have the understanding of, but she still has has the love to offer mm-hmm. that you can offer, and mm-hmm. that that is like so valuable. And knowing that that love was so big that she'd be willing mm-hmm. to give that up in order to give her the other things that mm-hmm. she just couldn't provide, and that just it is. I mean, it's such an injustice that so many people around this world face, mm-hmm. and then even that. The process of adoption, I mean, I'm interested in that just personally because we mm-hmm. want to adopt, but, like, why do you think it takes so long? Like, you were saying it takes three years. Like, what is – is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Like, because, you know, I, I was listening to you talking. I'm like, well, maybe it's a good thing because mm-hmm. it's not – people can't just, like, yeah. flippantly get into it. But then there's just so many – there's still so many kids that don't have anywhere to go. Yeah, it's, I mean, is? it's a mix of good and bad. I think it's – there are – laws that are in place to protect kids because there has been trafficking in the past and there still is trafficking of children in the adoption industry and for Kyle and I we didn't want there to be any chance that we ended up with a child that somebody was forced to give away or that someone didn't want to give away or we wanted birth parents involved, so mm-hmm. we specifically chose a relinquishment case. We didn't want an abandonment case. We wanted birth parent involvement and birth parent approval. Um, but her case specifically, her mom ended up disappearing in the middle of the process. So it ended up becoming an abandonment case, which prolonged it. In Ethiopia, if a child is abandoned, you have to wait two years and investigate for two years before a child can um, be Uh, an adoption can be finalized. Mm -hmm. So her case specifically took that long because of those laws that are in place to protect children. But there's also, for us, we learned that once we were matched with Ellie, we had to pay what's called a foster care fee where we had to pay the orphanage to continue to care for her, which is actually a a great thing Mm -hmm. that the orphanage, you know, that she was in had very little funding. But we, at the time, because so many people only want to adopt babies, this orphanage had a lot of older kids Mm -hmm. and only like a couple babies. So there was only fees being paid by a couple families. And that was the, and and then they were taking care of all these teenagers. So we believe that like the case was prolonged so that our funding of the orphanage was prolonged. And at first I had a lot of anger about that because it was more time that Ellie was in an orphanage not getting the, not having her needs completely met. But it it was something where I think Ellie sacrificed and we sacrificed so that other kids could have more. Um, So there's a lot of that in the adoption industry too. It's like trying to service like this industry where people just want babies when the reality of most orphans they're of age they're teenagers they're over the age of 10 and most people are not adopting those kids Mm. um so it's it's a really complicated problem and complicated industry and i think anyone who's going to enter it just has to be prepared that it's it's hard Mm -hmm. it's really hard I don't know why, like, what it is about adoption that just makes me, like, cry every time. I was talking mm-hmm. about before we started this podcast. 
I watched a random Facebook video this morning, which Facebook knows what makes you cry because mm-hmm. they send you those videos because yeah. you watch them. But it was this family adopting this little blind girl from China. And I just was like crying watching it because I just see, I just see God's heart like mm-hmm. completely with adopt because it's, it's saying like you belong, mm-hmm. like I, yeah. I'm choosing you. I want mm-hmm. you to be a part of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And I like love you enough to go through the waiting, to mm-hmm. go through the fees and all the things that it takes like to pursue that child mm-hmm. and to say like you're mine mm-hmm. in the end. It's just so, and I know it's from friends who have adopted, I know it's difficult. I know that there's challenges even after you bring your child home. Like there's just, but mm-hmm. what a beautiful mm-hmm. thing that you can offer, you know, and in the surplus that we have, it's like you have this opportunity to to give because mm-hmm. you have more than enough mm-hmm. and there's so many people that don't have more than enough yeah mm-hmm. and i just love that i feel like the theme of this podcast i'm talking to you is like you just put your money where your mouth is mm-hmm. like you're like okay this is a problem you can't adopt every orphan mm-hmm. and i think mm-hmm. that is like one of the things with people who are like bleeding hearts like we do it's like mm-hmm. you want to fix the whole thing but i heard a quote once that like really changed my life it was do for one what you wish you could do for all mm-hmm. and i feel like i've really tried to live by that with my kids at new horizons because I wish that every kid in the school could be a part of what we do. I wish mm-hmm. that, like, you know, even this year when we did Christmas, like, Stephen and I chose a couple of specific kids that we did Christmas for, and I wish that we could have done Christmas for all of my mm-hmm. kids, you know? But I can know what we can give, and mm-hmm. I can give what we can, and then know that I'm impacting their mm-hmm. life. And then, as I invite other people into it, they get to be a part of it as well, and that's a gift to not be the only one to mm-hmm. do it, but to include other people. And that's why I love what you've done with Tribe Alive because you're letting other people in on what your heart's burning for. Like, you're mm-hmm. like, this has made your heart come alive. Mm-hmm. It's changed your life. And instead of just being someone that's like, well, I'm just only going to, you know, I'm just only going to shop can. ethical and like, right. yeah, you actually created an entire space. brand on it. Yeah, yeah, for other people to like partner. And I believe that it's probably a stepping stone. Like, it's the gateway drug. Of, <laughs> but it really is. It's like you start doing small things and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, you realize that that matters Mm -hmm. and it's the doing for one what you wish you could do for all Mm -hmm. even in the way you shop even in the way that you you know talk about the world's issues and like don't just brush off don't block it off in your mind oh these are just random women Mm -hmm. and blah 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 like what is that to me yeah and I think that's the biggest problem like in the world right now is that we just like forget that we're all the same and we're equal because I think it's too heavy to recognize a kid, a child on a border separated from his parents. If we recognize that child to be the same as our child, surely we would be fighting against what's happening on our border. But if we can close it off that that child isn't the same as ours, then we can pretend we don't know what's happening and that we can turn it into a political debate instead of turning it into Mm -hmm. a human issue. So I I think we do that so that we can continue to be right. I think, you know, we do it because issues of humanity become issues of politics. So I think a lot of people will turn their humanity off so that what they've been taught their whole life, they can still continue to believe those things to be true. But I think it's the most dangerous thing in the world. It's, you know, just recently Texas decided that we weren't going to accept refugees in our state anymore. And we have always been the leading, um, 
like resettlement state, state yeah. of refugees, the leading in the country. Like we resettle, I think three times what the next closest state resettles in the U.S. And it's a real. It's how my one of my daughters came to me was through refugee resettlement, and it's a really important program. People all over the world are having to leave their homes because of war or famine or worse, and we as a state are saying. We no longer accept you. We no longer accept the broken, the vulnerable, and now it's become a political discussion. So it's like we're losing our humanity that this isn't about politics. It's mm-hmm. not what side we align with or who we voted for. It's that these are people. So if we mm-hmm. view them to be the same as us, which they are, how could we turn away? But I think that's what's happened to the world is we've found a way to like shut ourselves off from each other and... For me, that's just not an option. Mm-hmm. To well, it's like we're more connected than ever with social media, mm-hmm. but we're also the most disconnected mm-hmm. we've ever been. Mm-hmm. And it is, I mean, it's that face-to-face interaction yeah. with people that is what makes you be like, this is real. Mm-hmm. Like, I've, I've recently become passionate about the education system mm-hmm. because You're I'm in, I'm it, in yeah. it, and mm-hmm. I'm seeing kids that they their parents are can't read, and it's nothing to do mm-hmm. with it. It's because they've been pushed through the system. Mm-hmm. And then here they have their kids trying to get them an education that they can't even help them mm-hmm. at home. You know, mm-hmm. it's just, but when you see it firsthand, and it's, I get so frustrated when I hear people talk about people being uneducated mm-hmm. in a way that makes them feel like they're less than mm-hmm. or talking down to them. Right, when education's a privilege. Exactly. When it's yeah. like, oh yeah, they chose to not mm-hmm. do, you know, or, mm-hmm. or even you see a homeless person and like mm-hmm. people just immediately have a story in their mind mm-hmm. that someone told them, well, they don't want to work or they, mm-hmm. and it's like, there's so many more factors that mm-hmm. go in in any situation. And, you know, when I have an issue, I want someone to come to me with compassion first to assume mm-hmm. that if I'm having a problem, I'm doing the best I can to solve it. And mm-hmm. if I'm coming to you with it, I clearly need love and support mm-hmm. and help. But I feel like when other people come to us with their issues that are way more important, we're so easy to be like, well, wow, that really stinks for them. Mm-hmm. You know, just mm-hmm. or like, what did they do to get themselves mm-hmm. in that situation? Thinking that it's their fault mm-hmm. or something, which is um, hard. Well, and that just like this whole conversation makes me think something I've always admired about you, Carly, is whether it is a political thing or whether it's something to where you you know you were raised in a more liberal household mm-hmm. and then now you're living in a more conservative mm-hmm. state. Like no matter what the situation is. And we do live in such a social media culture that I think there can be a lot of talk Mm -hmm. online, which can get very annoying. But one thing that I love about you is anytime you have stood for something, I have personally watched you do something about it. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to cry talking about it probably. (laughs) But I just, but I do, I think that's so, it's, it's just, um, it's something to take notes on because for girls mine and Cammy's age I think it's so easy to get online and to mm-hmm. say we stand for this or mm-hmm. I'm pro this or I'm not this mm-hmm. and then they head to Nordstrom or whatever. you know what I mean that sounds terrible <laughs> yeah. but I'm being real and it's like but one thing I have learned from you and I still to this day look up to you for is that if I'm gonna stand for something like you better believe that you're gonna see me doing something mm-hmm. about it too because mm-hmm. I I mean it is it's putting your money where your mouth is and it's just something I admire about you thank you so yeah I because you know I think it's one thing to see oh well she like doesn't agree with me or she mm-hmm. stands on this side of me or or you know I can't relate to this thing mm-hmm. but if you were to actually spend if someone was to actually come and spend time with you mm-hmm. they would see that your heart is just for people at the end of the mm-hmm. day like it has nothing to do with 
what side you're on. Uh, although you do love to watch debates, I've I've noted that I on. Love it. I will I love never that. I will never forget. It was I don't even know where we were. We were on an from. airplane. We were on an airplane, and there was a there was a debate happening, and they were streaming it live, like on your airplane screens. And I will never forget watching it. And I kept elbowing you like shut up. Like I was like. Be so loud. Yeah, I love politics. She, she, I, love I, lo- I love it about you. It's I love crazy. it. And I ask questions all the time. I've been banned from the news in my house because you can't turn it I'm off. obsessed with the whole impeachment <laughs> thing happening right now. My husband's like, You will not put she this not television this on because I get so. Yeah, I love it though. Fired it's like, up you, about it is. It's just something that you're genuinely passionate about. And that's what I'm saying. I've seen it firsthand. Like on an airplane, her headphones in. She's yell. She's literally yelling at the the seat in front of her because that's where the screen is. And I literally kept like, I was like, like okay, okay, like, like but we're on an airplane. But I was like, someone might come over here and really disagree with you. So I need you to sit down and chill out for a. Yeah, you'll time. never not know where I stand <laughs> on an issue. No, but I love ever. that about you. I love that. Oh my gosh. Well, I think even with that, it's like you're you're using your voice and I think like that's one of the most important things that we've been gifted with as Mm -hmm. humans is like to have our heart and our voice and to stand up for what we believe in but I also want to encourage like our listeners that you started small I mean it started Mm -hmm. with this dream it started this idea it started with adopting this one child Mm -hmm. now you have how many children well two two daughters and a granddaughter Mm-hmm. Amazing. So, because I, re- I really quickly want to, so you shared that you adopted Ellie, mm-hmm. and then you had Priscilla, mm-hmm. who came through through refugee services. So she was is a refugee from Guatemala, and she was fifteen and pregnant at the time when she came to our country for a better life. That you know, needing to leave a situation that was not healthy for her or her unborn child in Guatemala, and she came to the U.S. and was put in a detention center as a child that was pregnant, gave birth alone in Arizona, not speaking the language, not even speaking Spanish, only speaking an indigenous language at the time. And and she came, came to our family through Catholic Charities um, mm-hmm. International Foster Care Program. And her story is amazing. I mean, she just started, you don't even know this, Amanda, she just started um, a program to be a medical assistant. Wow. So yeah, she, I mean, she came Ugh. here... 15, new mom, away from everything that she knew, graduated high school, um, just has been through a lot. I mean, and now she's just this incredible mom, living independently, continuing her education. I mean, she's just so, so much stronger and better so than me. So she lives on her own with baby? Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, and and Flory's not even a baby anymore. No, she's, she's four. Five she's now. five. Yes, I, I know. know. So it's five and years ago. So you're ago. like mom and grandma. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love that you said grandma too because yeah. you're honoring that she's mom. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. We were never. Priscilla was always Flory's mom. Yeah. Um, and Youngest yeah, for us, grandma ever. Yes. Yay. Yay. Thank you, <laughs> grandma. Over here. I am cool, grandma, because I run an ethical fashion business, but I don't know about your grandma. Is that so. like a, you're like that should be your icebreaker at every party? Like, fun fact, I'm a grandma. I'm a grandma. Like two trips in a lie. No, everyone be like, well, obviously she's it's not, not the grandma. grandma. <laughs> it's, it's my not favorite, possible. my favorite title. Oh, but yeah, but yes. like what I was gonna say was like you took even the fact that you adopted a 15 year old. So. You saw the issue with Ellie when you were at the orphanage. You saw that there was older kids not getting adopted. Mm-hmm. And it just, like, I think I can just see God, like, putting these, like, stepping stones in your life. But, like, it started with one thing. Mm-hmm. It was this dream for tribal ed. Mm-hmm. It was this dream for one child that led to the next thing, that led to the next mm-hmm. thing, that led to the next thing. And I say that to say that, like, I really 
hope and pray that like there's people listening and I think this is what God did for me even mm-hmm. today in your house is like reminding me like I don't have to it doesn't have to be everything mm-hmm. at once like mm-hmm. start with what's in your hands mm-hmm. like what has God already put on your heart and like do something about that one mm-hmm. thing and that can lead to the next thing that can lead to the next thing yeah. and it's like this pebble in the pond of like just that one yeah. thing has that ripple effect yeah. and it doesn't have to be this like overwhelming thing from the get-go or it could be some people might be like i feel called to just sell everything and move like, good for you go, you go, go for, for it, it bro <laughs> you know? More but, power like, to but you. you can start somewhere and i think mm-hmm. that it doesn't have to be all or nothing right off the bat mm-hmm. and that the more you're educated and the more you put yourself in those situations the more the next situation is going to arise. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something like we as women do to ourselves. We think like someone else is always doing more, doing it better, or having more of an impact. And there's so many women that will email me and reach out and ask like how they can have an impact like I've had or how they can start a company like I've had. But to be honest, the where I've seen the most impact in my life is what I've walked alongside with Priscilla, with my oldest daughter. And so I think you don't have to start a fashion brand or a company mm-hmm. or travel the world to make a difference. I mean, there's somebody next door that needs your help. And I and I think, that, like you said, like loving one person has such a huge ripple effect. And for me, it's, you know, I miss out a lot on being present and being a mom and doing for others sacrifices what I do at home. And I'm always just so... not jealous but kind of envious of and inspired by like women that are just present with their children thinking about like the type of humans they're going to raise because they're fully present they're fully there and their kids feel you know fully known and seen and I don't get to give that to my kids Um, but what I'm most proud of isn't my fashion brand it's not you know selling our products to J. Crew or working with Ellen it's like seeing where what Priscilla has walked through in the last five years and that she's survived it all and I get to be a part of that that's Mm. I think for me like that will be my life's accomplishment but I I think God gives so much grace for like like because you're doing that I bet you that your kids will never they're never they're never gonna get older and be like my mom wasn't there like that because he just covered in the fact that you have a husband that like supports you so much Mm -hmm. I mean we've watched him do it so many times and is just always there for you and is kind of like contradicting the norms mm-hmm. of what it looks like to because I mean he works a full time job. Mm-hmm. It's not like he's a stay at home dad. Like yeah. he just wherever parts that you know you're called to the store or mm-hmm. business or whatever it is, he knows. Okay, well this is the part that I mm-hmm. pick up or vice versa. Like yeah. you would do the same for him in a, yeah. if the roles were reversed. So I just think it's such a beautiful picture. Thank you. Is there anything else with like Tribe Alive like that you're thinking of in the future that you're really currently excited about that you think our listeners should know about? We're expanding into other countries, mm-hmm. which <gasps> hasn't been a focus um, for a couple years, which I'm really excited about. We have a collection coming out of Peru in the fall and then Mexico next year. Um, so yeah, just with our scale, our growth and wanting to scale in a healthy way, we found that with our growth, we were putting a lot of pressure on our current partnerships and it was time to kind of expand and bring on other partnerships to help bear some of that growth. So I'm really excited for us to add some new countries to the mix. That's so exciting. That's so exciting. Um, Well, I just want to close with, I think that the thing that you have done the most for me just being friends is I've already kind of talked about just wisdom and you've opened my eyes to a lot of new things that I'm super grateful for. But I think something that we can share that all of our listeners can relate to is just to always be 
a learner and a listener and just a student of, of the world because and the people that you meet. Because I think if you and I had met and I was like, well, I was raised in a more conservative home and this is the way I believe in, in you know, X, Y, and Z. And I, had, I thought I had all my ducks in a row and that my way was the only way. I don't think it, I would have learned as much as I did mm-hmm. from you. And I just think that's something that everyone can take away is just to always be listening and learning mm-hmm. because you never know what someone has walked through or just the wisdom that they can pour onto you mm-hmm. and the effect that they can have in your life moving forward. So I think same. I mean, I would have thought like moving to Texas, I wouldn't, I didn't think I was going to make like deep friendships because I had this idea in my head of what Texas women would be like the same way <laughs> that when I moved here and people heard me self-identify as a liberal they were like I've never heard someone say that like you're saying like, that out loud wait, like you're admitting that yeah. and I didn't know it was like a dirty word down here but it is <laughs> it was a dirty word but the it. same I think the friendships that I've made you know every friends especially you it's you know come from totally different upbringings but we have the same exact but it's so beautiful beliefs. I like love... not the same exact beliefs but the like we are our, our hearts values. believe are the same thing yeah yes. the same values yes. and we might have different ways of describing them or ways of getting there or different issues that we fight for but I think you know living in Texas has definitely helped me realize that we're way more the same than we're different and the division that we see in our country it feel it feels really sad to me mm-hmm. like I just think if we would you know, get to know each other a little bit yeah. more and, and understand where our, our viewpoints are coming from, I think it would be mm-hmm. a different a different world. Well, and this and is how you do that, is yes. those face-to-face mm-hmm. conversations. And that's where I get so frustrated with social media, mm-hmm. with political mm-hmm. stuff, because people will just say things with no... Context. Yeah, or, no yeah. context, no replicate. And it's like, if you act or argue, and I'm like, have you actually talked to this person? Because you probably wouldn't be arguing mm-hmm. with them if you sat face-to-face and had that conversation. Mm-hmm. And... That just doesn't go anywhere. No, and it's just, it's like lazy activism too. It's sort of like, it's so easy to type on, you know, send off a message to somebody you don't even know and don't Mm -hmm. have to see face to face. And that that takes no work. So it's like resharing something or throwing a comment up somewhere does no good for the world. It really doesn't. So, and trust me, I've been one of those people that like, would ang- angrily reshare things. Yeah, and it in just a moment wasn't, of like, it wasn't healthy yeah. for me and it's not healthy for the world, but that's what we live in right now. Yeah. And I think we have to change that. And I think knowing that we can all bring something to the table mm-hmm. and we're, you know, I mean, every, every part of us is beautiful and it makes it's, we're all puzzle pieces mm-hmm. and we bring together this one beautiful image. Um, but I just, am, I keep thinking to this story of, I don't know why these are all like airplane stories, but <laughs> we were also on an airplane and, it was, we were running late. Oh, this is a metaphor of our This is our a metaphor friendship. of our friendship. Mm-hmm. This is a metaphor I'm of friendship so and how I want to close this podcast out. Because, okay, so we had a connecting fly. I don't know where we were headed, but we had a connecting fly. We were headed, um, we were going to San Francisco. Okay, mm-hmm. and we had, we stopped some city. I don't even know where because I was honestly like probably looking out the window just like dazing into the clouds and you were probably head down on your computer. Mm-hmm. Like this oh was our God. lives. And our flight was like an hour and a half delayed. And we only had an hour layover. Yes. Okay. So, so we're going to miss our flight. So they yeah. say this, like, over the, you know, like, speaker, the pilot comes on and says this or whoever. We looked it up. And Carly was Carly looked at me and she goes, we're not going to make our connecting flight. And I said, but we might. I go, but we're not going <laughs> to make our connecting flight. Yeah. Like, it's math, Amanda. She yes, goes, she did. But we might. <laughs> she goes, she said, Amanda, it's math. I'm telling you. She's like, I love this, like glass half full type attitude but she was like I'm telling you we are not going to make it and I was like Carly 
we haven't landed yet. We might. I was like, we might sprint across the airport. And like, they may be waiting. They may say, we're not going to take off until all passengers are loaded. I'm like, we have no idea what they're going to say. And so we literally debated like this. Like eternally over. optimistic. And it would drive me crazy. Like, this doesn't make sense though. I know. <laughs> so we get to the airport and we haul, literally haul to the next plane. And we were the very last two people to board it. this uh-huh. flight. And I go, I told you we might make it. <laughs> But we only made it because she was there. If I, I love, I wouldn't this. even have tried. Oh, I would that's not, not even true. Have Again, tried. having friends that bring a different perspective. So true. Yes, the total. Yes, like, and so that's what I love about friendship is that even though we're raised differently or different in some areas, we're also really the same in mm-hmm. a lot of areas. And you have just stretched me as a person, and I've learned so much from you, and I've gained so much wisdom from you, and hopefully, the one thing that I brought to the table is that you can maybe make a flight connection. <laughs> Well, I hope you're the little voice in her head that has something like she's having a negative thought. She's like, "Bet we, we might, but we might. You never know." I love that, guys. I hope that y'all were as blessed by today's episode as we were. I am just like, I feel like I'm walking on air right now. I'm like, I, I want to change the world. Me too. Aww. I know you inspire. You really do. You really do. You. you really do. And I love it because it's not just it's not the words you say, but it's the life that you lead. And mm-hmm. I am really believing in faith that there's people listening to this podcast that this will be like a marker in their life that they'll be like. You know, I've been passionate about this for a long time, and I heard this podcast, and it made me be like, I'm going to do something about it. I can do it, too. And want to hear your stories. So, Carly, what's a way that, well, all the ways that people can connect with you, like, social media-wise, where can they follow Tribe Alive? Like, yeah, so you can about? follow Tribe Alive at, on Instagram, mm-hmm. at Tribe Alive, and then you can shop us at tribealive.com. So cute. Yeah, and then <laughs> if you want, you can follow me at Carly R. Burson on I Instagram. I think that they want. <laughs> I but think the might. listeners want and they might <laughs> well guys we love you we hope that you are just enjoying this day whatever it looks like for you and listening to this and feeling empowered to be the world changer that you are so I'm Cami. I'm Amanda we're basically basic and we know you are too be blessed and be basic <laughs>